Hey guys, and welcome to a not episode of the Bag and Boardcast. That's right, this is not episode 528, and I'm Paul. And I'm Chris. And you oh, can John's see, not here. That's why. <laughs> we can see, but you can't, that John isn't here with us. But you can hear that he isn't here because he didn't say, I'm John. But normally we're a podcast that comes to you in three ways. So weird because then we're, you yeah, well, well, we're not doing that today, so you don't got to worry about any of that. Uh, oh, we, we're not doing the weekend geek today. Normally, yeah. we bring you the well, top geek. Do we are doing an abridged weekend geek? We're not oh, okay. doing a dramatic reading, but we never talk about doing a dramatic reading, so I don't know what you're referring to exactly. But we yeah, are going to so, then talk about the comic books that we bought. Oh, yeah, yesterday. Yes, we are a comic book podcast, so we always got to talk about comic books in some way, and then. We usually finish off our episode with a main topic discussion. We will still finish off the episode with a main topic this uh, discussion. Uh, and this week, we are not going to be doing our monthly look back, which I think I might have teased at the end of the last episode. Um, but we're actually going to be talking about the upcoming Disney Lorcana card game. Uh, we've talked about trading card games or collectible card games on the show before. We both have a history of playing Magic the Gathering. Um mm-hmm. I still like to play Magic the Gathering through Arena. I'm active on it literally every single day. Um, but Disney Lorcan is the upcoming Walt Disney animation-based trade card game from Ravensburger, who does Villainous and Villainous and Villainous. <laughs> I'm sure puzzles. they do other games. They, yeah, they make puzzles. I know that. Um, uh, do they do the Epic uh, Sorcerer's Arena? Uh, I That's can the... hold the box from my shelf. It's right here. Okay, Paul took off his headphones so he can't hear what I'm saying, but he just rolled back and oh, he's no, grabbing the big box. He's struggling with putting his headphones back on. Okay, oh, there he is. Can okay. Yeah, this is done by the op. Mm. Uh, is that a mini games. game? Hmm? Is that a mini uh, miniature game? It's Well, they have standees, not miniatures, but yeah, it's, oh. it's a, uh, a arena battler. So kind of like your like hero, you know, I would guess like a stripped down board game fight, uh, like a League of Legends kind of style game, but without minions. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, it's not a universal property, so they couldn't put the minions in it. I got you. Okay. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or what, what, what's what's the trash that's in? I don't play League of Legends or any of those uh, games, but. It seemed know, interesting. I, I still haven't played it. As you can see, a, it's still in the wrapping. Because Sorcerer's Arena is a digital, like it's, cell phone game too. So they well, might that might be like a physical version of it. I don't. I played. It. I downloaded it and checked it out just because I was like, oh, new Disney game. Let me see this. And I, I think it was one of those games like I played for like a couple days and then I deleted. But yeah, I picked this up because it came with uh, such great characters as uh, Sorcerer's Mickey. Uh, Gaston, Maleficent, Aladdin, Ariel, Dr. Facilier, Demona. Yeah, I saw Demona on the front of the box, and I was like, that's kind of interesting. And Sully. Like, like what a what random group. Like, everything except for Demona is like, oh, yeah, that all makes sense. Like, I could see that. And then, like, Demona's there, and you're like, weird. And then Sully's in there, too, and you're like, okay, so they got some Pixar represented. And I think there's, like, two or three um, expansion sets that come with more. 
Well, still have yeah. to play. We're not talking about a game from the developer of that one. Yeah. Paul, what what else do we always do on a podcast? Uh, we always uh, hang out with friends and drink. You know? And uh, right now, I'm drinking from Big Ditch, their Flow Rider. I'm pretty sure John had this on the podcast before. It probably came out uh, in, in order to raise probably money for like uh, the ride for Roswell. Yep. Yep. And the ride to Roswell was about a month ago or a couple weeks ago. So this is probably an older beer. It is drink fresh. This is a 3.4% alcohol by volume. It is a citrus blonde ale with grapefruit, lime, and orange. And it's um not a big orange grapefruit uh, flavor. It's kind of light. But it sounds good. Like that, mm-hmm. that sounds nice for a hot summer day. Yeah. After riding a bicycle in a charity ride, like that sounds... That sounds like it would hit the spot. Like it would it has, quench you. It has a pop of the uh, grapefruit and a little bit of the lime. I'm not getting orange. It, it, don't think of it as, as your like Julius or you know a um, what is the sloop brewing one that has that big juicy pop to it? I can't think of it. John would know. I don't know. Well, yeah. he's not here because he's throwing up or pooping probably because he said he got food poisoning. <laughs> Yep. So he's not d- enjoying delicious beers right now. So sucks to suck. <laughs> yep. But Chris, what delicious beer are you enjoying right now? Uh, I am drinking a delicious beer from Hidden Springs Ale Works, based out of Tampa Bay, Florida. And this is something that I've seen them put out every year since I moved down here, or at least every year that I've been aware of Hidden Springs Ale, Ale Works. And this is their Brondo. It is the Thirst Mutilator. Uh, it's a sports drink sour ale. Uh, it says water is for toilets. It's got what plants crave because, yes, this is a beer based off of Brondo from uh-huh. Idiocracy. Um, they put this out every single year, but I've only ever seen it released at their brewery, which Tampa Bay is not far, but it's far yeah. enough that it's not something I'm going to do on my own. Like when you guys come down and we have a Tampa day, like, mm-hmm. sure, That's absolutely. Uh, but I've never just done like a solo trip there just to be like, Hey, let me do things. Maybe someday if Yanni and I go to uh, Bush gardens, oh. I, I, I would stop by there because you know, parks and rec, that's the thing we could check in on. Cause I've been there once when I first moved down here and it was awesome. Uh, wouldn't mind going back. But, I was assuming that you were going to say see the Sabres play like the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa or something like that. But that's just me being a sports that's, sports fan. I, that's, I mean, I probably could, but <laughs> I'm I'm assuming since they won the cup years ago, their tickets are probably a lot more expensive than they used to be being in Florida. Because I guess Panthers yeah. games are super cheap, but I don't know. Well, the Panthers have been making the playoffs and they, they had a pretty good run at it last year. This isn't sports talk with Paul. This is uh, a not episode. Uh, but this isn't bad. I cannot place the But you're drinking a sports drink. Uh, it's a sports drink. It's in quotes, Paul. <laughs> uh, when I saw this on the shelf, I was like, oh, holy cow, Brondo's available at my beer store. That's great. I have to get it because it's something I've always wanted to have from Hin Springs, but it's only a, ever available actually at the brewery. Uh, Idiocracy is hilarious, even though that movie came out forever ago. It's still something that's easily quotable and just 
omnipresent in comedy. Uh, this is good though. I I picked up a four pack of this because I was like I I trust Hidden Springs and their Berliners enough that I know I will enjoy this no matter what it tastes like because there's their sours are just good um, and I'm not let down by this at all so I'm looking forward to the other three that I have uh, it's got what plants crave yeah I got plants on my patio I can start watering them with this <laughs> probably not the best idea because alcohol evaporates quickly <laughs> but it's time to get into it and what better way to get into it within our abridged week in geek I say a bridge. We're still going to talk about a bunch of stuff, except for all the stuff that John was bringing to the table, uh, because it's time for a summer movie blockbuster bracket buster update. Because this past week, it's been about a week and a half since we've recorded uh, 5:27. We've had two more movies come out. Uh, first of which being Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which landed at 60.3 million dollars for its opening weekend. Indiana Jones will be up against Oppenheimer, which is coming out like next weekend yeah. as of this recording. So we got a little bit of a wait for that one. Uh, but just to go down our brackets quick, John does have Indiana Jones moving past Oppenheimer. I believe I also. Oh, no, I picked Oppenheimer over Indiana Jones. Uh, That's a good pick. And then, Paul, you had Indiana Jones past Oppenheimer. Um, I, I know I talked about this last week. Yanni and I have been watching all of the Indiana Jones movies because she hasn't seen any of them. And last night we watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. How does and it hold up? So it was maybe I haven't seen it since the theater. This was only my second time ever seeing it. Mm-hmm. So maybe about halfway through it, she was like, I have questions. And I was just thinking to myself, like, sweetie, you're going to have more. <laughs> because that was before we got to all of the stuff in the jungle with like, much swinging and yeah. you already know they're aliens but they don't see the else and the huge ants that are, can eat yeah, people like in seconds yeah just, they drag that commie guy into like their anthill some of the stuff in the movie is better than i remember it and by better i don't mean like wow i loved it it's like oh karen allen is still great up, up alongside Harrison Ford. Like, I buy her as Marion and him as India, and just, like, that contentious relationship that they have. Like, that still works, especially having just watched um, Raiders, like, four or five days before. Like, at that point, I was like, wow, it's great to see her again, because Marion's awesome. Like, I I get it, Indy. I, I understand why. But there's so much stuff in that movie that just seems forced in, in the action scenes. Like, going, again, we watched Last Crusade maybe two days ago. And just the action scenes in that were, you got Indy fighting Nazis on a tank in an actual desert. And, like, they're Mm -hmm. throwing people around. Everything had just weight to it, and it felt great and real. And then you're seeing Shia LaBeouf straddling two cars in a obviously CGI jungle, like fencing with, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on actresses. Uh, yeah. Um, Clay Badgett. Clay Badgett. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Um, 
And I'm like, this... I didn't even come close to saying her name. I just like, <laughs> you're like, uh, yeah, blah, blah. blah, blah, like, blah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Kate Blanchett. Um, nothing in any of those action scenes felt like it was doing anything. It was just, it felt like it was like, okay, and now we need an action scene. Um, even right at the beginning when Indy's fighting commies in the Air Force base were, and they had just like that obligatory, like, oh, yep, this is where the arc is. You remember that other movie. If your movie's not good, don't remind people of the better ones. That's something <laughs> I, I feel like you need to do in your movie. Um, it was okay. Better than I remember it because I've had 20 almost years to sit on my feelings of my first watch of Crystal Skull. I still understand what they are doing. Like, yes, Indiana Jones are serials from that time. So it makes sense. It's more sci-fi than like the supernatural fantasy. It makes sense that it's the Russians, not Nazis. Like I get those choices that were made. I can hand wave those away, but the over-reliance on CG and just trying to force Indiana Jones into the movie because it just felt like they had to check boxes. And it's a lot of the same complaints I think I have of uh, the sequel trilogy for Star Wars. Like, it's just like it's making a Indiana Jones movie by committee. It's like, what do people want to see? And that that's what they had to do with it. I can see that. Uh, my problem. Just thinking back, what you just said about Kingdom of Crystal Skull being like, oh, yeah, it's based off the old serials. And, you know, so they move the time frame forward. It's like, what would be a serial from this time frame? Well, there weren't serials at that point, though. You know, I, I feel like it would be maybe not a serial, but like paperback book, like yeah. okay. Invasion of the Saucerman from Peru. Like it would mm-hmm. be like, OK, like I can I can right. see that, but. But Indiana Jones that as an idea and that in practice doesn't doesn't feel good, especially when the whole like um, when they discover the temple and like the alien skeletons in there. Okay, that's cool. But then when all the alien skeletons combine into one, and then there's like a live alien there that's looking at Kate Blanchett's like Russian spy character, and I'm like, oh, that just doesn't look right in an Indiana Jones movie where we've had crazy stuff happen before. Like these movies are not grounded in reality at all, even though like, it's like archeology, span like they're all fantasy, but it just, it's, it didn't feel as believable. And that's stupid to say as the other, other three, which are also all ridiculous movies. Right. And that's kind of my point is that Indiana Jones lives outside of our world so we don't need to then like be like okay if we're going to make an indiana jones movie we need to then tie it back to the reason we made an indiana jones movie before and i'm like no it's you don't need to get that meta with it just continue his story he lives in that world you know it's like doc brown and the uh you know you travel back to alternative 1985 you know because the timeline split like indiana jones lives on that other timeline where the Ark was or the Covenant was real and he stopped. He had Nazis melt their faces I, from then on. I, okay, I I think the indie stuff, it feels 
Right. And it's funny to look back at that movie that came out in the early 2000s and be like, oh, they're calling him an old man in this movie. Like, just wait. <laughs> like, 20 more years. Just wait. Um, but now that we've we've seen all of them, we'll probably try to go to uh, Dial of Destiny at some point. We're both off all week next week on vacation. So one of those days we'll probably wind up going to Disney Springs, like matinee showing and then like walking around and getting food. But why would you see that movie when a better movie's already out, Chris? Oh, you mean Insidious, the Red Door, the other movie that we have to talk about? No, Mission Impossible. Dead Reckoning Part One. Uh, that that started. That came out uh, today. I it comes out tonight, today. I think. Yeah. And it's yeah, yeah. So we we have the weekend for that one coming up. Um, but Insidious: The Red Door was the other movie that I alluded to before. Uh, opened with thirty three million, which hey. isn't a lot, but it beats the other like franchise horror movie we have on the bracket of Evil Dead Rise at twenty four point five million. I've never seen any of the Insidious movies. I'm not a big horror person. I have my brands and I stick to those. Um, Insidious The Red Door will be going up against Transformers Rise of the Beast, which we know already did $61 million. So Transformers Rise of the Beast moving on. Uh, John picked Insidious over Transformers. He is wrong. He will be losing that point. I picked Transformers over Insidious. I will be moving ahead. And then, Paul, you also picked Insidious over Transformers. So, I thought there would be... Uh, my thought was that there was going to definitely be... There's been drop-off from the Transformer movies with each sequential Transformer movie. And that horror movies were doing... On, More, you know, like, better. Yeah, we're doing a lot better. And it seems like this summer uh, that's not coming to fruition with Renfield doing really badly redfield um, was an okay movie though like i i was excited to see renfield i understand why it only did what was it, like five million eight million opening yeah. weekend because it's available to watch on peacock now and we watched it and i'm like oh, my my review of that movie is well it seems like the people making it had fun like it's <laughs> It's not good. Like, there's some actual, like, funny jokes in it. There's moments that I did laugh out loud. But as a whole, it, it wasn't great. But, you know, I, again, something like that and Insidious and Evil Dead aren't yeah. going to be the same types of movies as, you know, your Dead Reckonings or your John Wick chapter force. Like, mm-hmm. we know. It just... It, the bracket lands how it lands. <laughs> yeah, it, it just seemed like the horror movie John was was the one thing that was getting people out to the theaters to see, and you know that there was that people wanted that communal experience of sitting alone in a dark alone together in a dark room, uh, and, and it definitely does not seem to be coming to pass, even with a big blockbuster, because the guy that directed uh, Shazam for Year of the Gods, he was a or movie director beforehand, right? Like he came from um, um, the, those kind of movies, not the Insidious, the Annabelle, and all the the Conjuring, the Conjuring stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and people did not follow him over to Shazam: Fury of the Gods. I so. I think horror movies, and this is like a completely like different discussion that we could start to have. I think if you look at these movies long term, like. 
after today and us talking about them for the brackets, years from now, people will still be talking about Insidious, the Red Door and Evil Dead Rise. People probably won't be talking about Transformers Rise of the Beast unless it's like one of those nostalgic like, oh, can you do you remember when they made Transformers Rise of the Beasts? And it's just kind of like that, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's right. That was a thing that happened. I think horror has more lasting presence than okay. like what current nostalgia bait movies are going to be. I heard uh, talking about lasting. I heard uh, Elemental actually has been having a nice like not a huge drop off that it's um been... it's kind of bounced back like yeah. not like it's doing like more or better but it hasn't had the drop off so I think that one might just be kind of word of yeah, mouth it's gotten word of good it seems to have gotten good word of mouth and people are going to see it still which is, which is uh, that's another one like Yanni wanted to go see and just nice. with schedules we haven't been to the movies mm-hmm. but I I wouldn't mind checking out like it looked. It looked good, but it also we talked about this when we did the the bracket buster show. So you can tune in for more thoughts on all of these movies. It just looks like every other Pixar yeah. like Amorphous, things feel way about things. Yeah, amorphous, well done, amorphous stylized characters of an idea, thought, or yeah, <laughs> soul, and uh. Even uh, what's the other one? The the D and D one that I didn't see that that came out and then was then theater all the theaters closed. The two brothers that go on. A oh, quest. onward, onward. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that literally came out right when the theaters were closing. I was able to see that in the theaters and like everything shut down like the next and, week. Yeah. Uh, that one was that one was good. I like that one. But um, what we do have a bracket buster up or look back episode scheduled once we get all the movies out so we can mm-hmm. dwell on some of this stuff but yeah good yeah. good uh midway ch- point check-in though yeah we're, we're, we're coming down to it like we got a few more movies coming out um like paul said uh, mission impossible is the next movie coming out this weekend so as we're recording this people are already in theaters seeing tom cruise trying to kill himself with planes and motorcycles and everything. So I'm sure that one's going to perform really well. I'm pretty but sure is my... it going to perform better than Mich- uh, Mission Impossible? Is it going to be better than Super Mario Brothers? Which is, this might be like the holy cow down to the wire matchup of the bracket. Yeah, not for me, though. I'm already out of it. I, I've None of my <laughs> picks uh, are, are moving on. Uh... But at, at least for the two movies, like I think it's going to be whatever movie theaters open like that extra hour to get that one more showing of this movie in is going to be what decides at least that matchup. Yeah. Because I talking about movies though, Paul, uh, did you see the pictures Ryan Reynolds shared of Hugh Jackman? Oh yeah. in the yellow suit. Yeah. It looks really good. And I understand why Mm -hmm. in the early two thousands, Superhero movies didn't want to do, like, the big fake mm-hmm. superhero costumes. But Hugh Jackman appearing in Deadpool 3 in the yellow and blue Wolverine costume, it looks good. It looks right. Yeah, but it's strange because, he, he, like, I'm thinking of Logan, 
which is a very beaten like it's not that Wolverine. It can't be. No. No, it's not that Wolverine yet or it, Yeah. We, I, I don't see a, how the yellow Deadpool and blue movie. Wolverine ever becomes that Logan though. Like it's It's a Deadpool movie though. Yeah. We need to realize like there's yeah. gonna be shenanigans that happen that maybe it's hanging out with Wade Wilson's what sends him on that path now that leads to Logan. We we don't know where this is going to be going and who I've they, they don't even know because their writer strike's still happening. So hey, you know what? I, I'm fine with that. If it takes longer for me to get movies because people are going to be paid their fair share, cool. Go for it. Because I'm not watching any of the terrible like reality TV that any of these networks are putting out. So it's giving me a chance to read comic books, play but video games. But you're not games. watching Milf Island? No, or, or like the Hot Wheels show that they have. Where, where it's all like the, all the uh, MILFs are there to meet young, young, younger men that are into MILFs, and then they all realize that they're each each other's sons. Nope, not watching that. You know I'm why? You resist. You know why? Why? I don't want to reach John levels of sickness while I'm watching TV. <laughs> You don't want to watch the Hot Wheels show where it's Pimp Your Ride, Hot Wheels edition? Yes, it's Pimp Your Ride, but it's, like, more obscene. And I don't mean, like, they say potty words. I mean, it's just, like, we're putting gigantic flames on the side of this, except the flames are fiberglass that are sticking out to the the high heavens. No, I don't. I don't care. Chris, we heard you liked Hot Wheels, so we put Hot Wheels on your Hot Wheels. Studios that's, pay your writers. That's a reference pay, that people from the nineties get and only No them. yeah, nobody else will. Nobody else. Pay your writers so you don't have to sink money into terrible stuff like this that's brand damaging because like I'm just gonna remember like wow, can you remember what the time when they made that stupid Hot Wheels show? Well they got the Lego show, the Master Builders competition. I've never watched uh, that either. See, as, as someone that semi recently a couple years ago like got their first lego set i think that's kind of fun yeah but that's more like wholesome that's kind of like your your baking shows yeah like you nailed it yeah your your great british bake-off yeah just a bunch of people standing around like wow like cool great we see what you you tried to do we love you for it thanks uh, did you know there's a comic book series out, The Great British Bump Off, which is basically The Great British Bake Off, but it's a murder mystery where somebody's killing the contestants and they they decide to just keep rolling with it. And the one contestant is also trying to solve the murder. Uh, I want to say I saw it when I was looking for comic books that were coming out. But I Number three like, is coming out this week. And I'm like, oh, so we're not getting to the list, Paul. Save oh. save your picks. Because uh, did you watch the new trailer for Ahsoka, which is something oh, that I, I will we be watching. For, I thought we were waiting for John on all the trailer oh, no. stuff. No, nope, nope. talk about the trailers. Uh, that trailer looked amazing. I audibly went, what? And one scene, uh, can I want you to try to guess the what. Okay, you went what when Sabine had yes. the lightsaber. Okay, that's no, what not I when she had to. the lightsaber, but when oh. <clears throat> she said, when she called Ahsoka master. I'm like, okay. And Ahsoka's like, I walked her away from Sabine as well. And I'm like. So I'm of two minds of this because 
in Rebels, Sabine was training with Kanan mm-hmm. with the Darksaber. So this right. could be a... It's not necessarily like a Jedi or a Force thing, where it's like she had a weapon, she was trying to learn how to be better yeah. with it, and Ahsoka was the next person to be like, okay, well, Ezra's gone, Kanan's gone, let me show you how to use this. Or it could be like, a, well, maybe she is so good with, I mean, she's a Mandalorian, but maybe she's so good with fighting and weaponry and technology because she might be a little Force-sensitive, like, that could be something, and maybe it was starting to tingle and awaken, mm-hmm. and that's why they started to move that way. Yeah, because I, I they, just, they also show the the scene, you know, the the her sitting down there because I watched it like three times in a row, uh, <laughs> listening to Ezra uh, Bridger, you know, his his little speech about being a, yeah, Jedi. Being a Jedi, and it seems like he's talking about her being a Jedi. That's how I was reading that scene at that point, and then she does the Kanan Jarrus thing. Almost exactly with the cutting of the hair. Yeah. Just like Hannon Jarrus. It could be. I I don't know enough, but I do want to know more. Um, my only complaint, and this is just stupid fan stuff, I was hoping to see uh, Kanan and Hera's son, at least maybe like a quick flicker. Ace. Jason. Jason? It's J-A-C-E-N. It's almost like... Um, Jace Bellerin from Magic the Gathering, Planeswalker. Uh, I was hoping for something about that because you can't dangle that at the end of a series. Or like, oh, no, like, Kanan lives on in his child and his badass Twilight wife. Like, and not give me that in this show. Like, even if there's just a moment, like, hand-waving away in, like, the first episode... Where like Hera's like someone's got to watch this kid because I'm well, still fighting it, these stupid wars. In the back seat, you got the uh, you got like the caretaker uh, droid. You got the guy that was the the, 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 the lightsaber builder. Yeah. from the Clone Wars, right? Yeah, like, I don't know why I said Rebels Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that I don't remember the, his name because he's in the episode like where it, it it is him. It's also Dave, uh, David Tennant. Yeah, oh, okay. voicing there as well. Um, it, so. David Tennant is back, and he voiced him in the Clone Wars as well? Yes, and he's so, voicing the character. Now there we go. So it is the same character. Because they, Star Wars, it's not like... Um, do you think he's going to help, uh, not Ahsoka, but do you think he's going to help Sabine build her lightsaber that she uses? Because yeah. she has, she's, it's a green one. So it's definitely well, not the Darksaber. It's definitely not one of Ahsoka's, because it's it, not white. Well... But the green saber could be Ezra's. Didn't Ezra leave his lightsaber behind? Did Ezra leave his lightsaber behind? Wasn't his lightsaber blue, or was that blue his was his first one? Old with the one, blaster. like with the blaster. Okay. Because I had I don't asked remember about the lightsaber it. color. Well, I I ask you guys about it, and you guys tell me what color it is. Okay. I don't uh, remember what the. But it is his second one's definitely green. As okay. Well. Interesting. But yeah, it, it looks great. Um, I watched the trailer on my computer while Yanni was doing stuff on her laptop. And after, like an hour later, we were just talking about something. And she's like, yeah, the Ahsoka trailer sounds intense. And I was like, yeah, you didn't watch it. And she's like, no, but I heard you watching. I was like, oh, we can, we can watch it again. Because it's like, yeah, I'm I'm in it. Like, it looks fantastic. I do love that when she's fighting the Inquisitor, she looks like so prepared and so ready. Because it's like, 
I like what did Dave Filoni say? He like there was a quote about, and I'm going to misquote it, but it, you know, a little bit on like yeah, the spinning lightsabers are basically the only way a Inquisitor could even come close yeah. to facing a Jedi. They need a yeah, cheat code. Yeah, basically, and, they, and any, they, that's well, the only thing that they have. Uh-huh. But then you see Ahsoka just like, okay, no, I go in now. Yeah, like, and any like fully trained one with the Force Jedi will have no issue taking down an Inquisitor. And she's yeah. taken down four of them now. She 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 didn't kill mm-hmm. the two in Rebels. She took down one in her book, you know, in the Ahsoka novel, and then. We kind of see a retelling of that in the uh, Tales of the Jedi. So we're, I'm counting that it's just one Inquisitor, not two. So those three. She took down how many at the temple? Two or three of them. Uh, with the before the worlds between, you know, where she gets pulled back out from yeah. the world between worlds at the. Uh, yeah, the Darth, on, Darth Maul, Darth Vader. Uh, at, at the Malachor. I remember the name of that episode, but it's really good. It's like the, the two-parter. Ma- yeah, on Malachor, right? So, yeah, the two-parter. Yeah, Ahsoka's badass. I can't wait for yeah, the show. She's taking down so many. She's taking down these fools left and right. Uh, Brother, sisters, so, doesn't matter. Someone else that can't wait. Uh, I said this to you guys. I don't have a lot to say about it, but apparently Tom Cruise has seen Blue Beetle. <laughs> And had to text the director of it and be like, I love Blue Beetle. Which just further solidifies my fact that Tom Cruise just loves movies. And he probably knows nothing about the DC Universe. That's why he loved Flash. And now he's just like, there's people in robot bug suits. I love movies. (laughs) He loves movies, man. He can love movies. Movies are alive. (laughs) I'm going to live forever. Like movies. Jump out this glade. Who does... Well, Mission Impossible 3 was, like, produced by Alibaba, Alibaba uh, pictures, basically Chinese, the Chinese government. But uh, Is that because ooh. nobody else would give him the money for it when he was, like, yeah. being like, no, you guys don't know. I'm going to hang on to the side of a plane. <laughs> Wish me luck. <laughs> and everyone else is like, nope. The Ow. Chinese government's like, one less American to worry about. <laughs> and then they're like, hey, he's Australian. They're like, uh, it doesn't matter. Close uh, enough. Paramount. Oh, Paramount does the Mission Impossible movies now, or at least distributing them. So it's not like he's like repping for Warner Brothers. You know what I mean? Like he's not. No, he he's not like towing a company line. Like I think yeah. he's just gonna talk about and say whatever he wants. But it's just so weird that is he, is he it seems up? like I I okay. This is just my my fan canon now. Uh-huh. Maybe after not doing Iron Man and then not coming back. For like the multiverse stuff with uh-huh. Doctor Strange, where like it was rumored that he was going to be appearing as Iron Man. Maybe now he's like, let me check out these comic book movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude is like sixty years old though. He's constantly like working on running and jumping out of buildings. Like, <laughs> who's got the time to watch connected universes? He doesn't have time. He's training. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab my next beer. I'll be right back. Alright, I'm going to talk about news that only I care about. Ooh, do I have anything? Like, last time I talked about uh, the Bobby Bill and Ella Day. Hey, uh, I know that uh, Bastille Day is coming up right around the corner. If it's not already here, I don't remember when Bastille Day is. But I like making up creme brulee. 
our best field day. So I'm going to might have to do that this weekend. So I have to tell Kate to get some more eggs. Uh, Herb Brulee, great dessert. Love it. It's very French. So I think it's a perfect way to celebrate Bastille Day. Are we talking Chris, about the 14th talking about anniversary it. of the Bagden broadcast? No, no, I'm okay. talking about another anniversary coming up. <laughs> storming the Bastille and how I like to make creme brulee oh. for that day. Yeah, I like to make creme brulee um, to watch High School Musical with. Oh, I don't make creme brulee, but if I did, I would make it to watch High School Musical with. Well, cause... maybe I could do that for Bastille Day. <laughs> Why not? Um, but yeah, I, I just threw it out there quick because, uh, yeah, this past week we actually celebrated the 14th anniversary of us sitting down to record the first episode of the Begging Broadcast. So, wow. Wow. 14 years. Four more years than they can legally not drink here in the United States still. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the Clif- drinking age is not 18. <laughs> they can go up to Clifton Hill, though. Oh, no, wait, Clifton Hill, it's 19. 19. Okay, still can. can. 19. I still believe my grandfather had this great thing because, you know, the drinking age was here in the United States, 18, or was state by state. And it was 18 when he was growing up. And I think right as my parents were growing up, it, it became from 18 to 21. He's like, listen, 18-year-olds should learn how to kind of handle alcohol in a responsible manner. Let them drink beer. Let them drink wine. Hard alcohol at 21. Okay. You, I mean, you, other countries is that way. Like France, I think it's like 13. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like such a part of their culture. Yeah. Like let but, let lower ABV stuff, you know, be at eighteen, and but hard liquor, twenty one. Actually, he was like, no, hard liquor should be at like twenty four. Like it mm. should be. Your brain needs to be fully formed before you can start to drink. No, it, it was like you need to like pay your dues, learn how to. Oh, learn okay. how to learn your limits. He's talking about a drunk. reverse 12 step program where you yeah, basically, basically have to work your way up to being an alcoholic. Yes, okay. Basically. Um, but talking about being an alcoholic, Paul, do you have your next beer ready to go or not yeah, yet? You met my grandfather. He was at my wedding. Uh, cowboy ass. Yes. No. Drunk as a skunk at my wedding. Um, but anyways, do I have my next beer? Yes. It's uh Laguanita's Island Beats Tropical IPA. This is in their, uh, IPA variety pack, and uh, this says it's a refreshing, refreshing, juicy citrus notes. Five percent alcohol by volume, so he's keeping it, keeping it light, keeping it easy for these IPA uh, on these ABVs. But uh, yeah, it's it's very crushable, very easy to drink. Uh, I did get a lot more citrus notes from my last beer, big grapefruit. This isn't big grapefruit. But I wouldn't want grapefruit in an island. Yeah, we don't support you, big grapefruit. Get out of here. Yeah, be more like your cousins, the you know small little clementines and cuties. Stop being cuties. so big. I, I usually buy cuties to take with me uh, to work for lunch. I, I've now hit the point where I need to grab like two or three of them because after one, I'm like, oh, God, these are so good. Yeah, they're really good. Also, I like how easy to peel the hair. Yeah. You know, they're a little bit tough after they've been in the fridge, but it's because mm-hmm. I, you know, go and I'll eat them like five hours later. So I got to put everything else in the fridge. But mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's why I don't like bringing oranges in my lunch, because sometimes they're hard to peel. And then I don't want to be struggling while trying to drive. Because then otherwise I get frustrated and then just start eating it with the peels. The rind on. Yep. 
Um, I do like when an orange is difficult to peel because it doesn't matter if I wash my hands afterwards. Later, like I still have that like orange zest. zest or just like <laughs> I was like, oh, like zesty. Um, my beer like does Chris. not have any zest, though. No zest. And speaking about, but you're drinking another sour, right? I am. Um, and this because I the first beer I grabbed at my store was the Brondo. And then after I saw this one, I was like, okay, that's going to be my hook for this episode when we record tonight, is all of my beers are going to be based off of other non-alcoholic drinks. Because my next one coming from Magnify Brewing is, oh, yeah. And this is a Fruit Punch Sour Ale. Oh. Uh, the can is very Kool-Aid Man inspired. Uh, it's a Fruit Punch Sour, 6.0% ABV. I didn't say it before, but the Brondo was 5.5. So these are all just super easy, super uh, nice to drink. My initial sip, I kind of like winced a little bit because I'm like, oh, this is definitely a fruit punch beer. Uh, But then once I got back into it, I was like, oh, no, this is a fruit punch beer. Uh, It's not as abrasive as the, I don't remember which one it was, the Fruit, Fruit Force, the IPA from New Belgium. I think I think it's called Fruit Fruit Force. Yeah, yeah, Fruit Force. Because uh, I like Fruit Force is a Fruit Punch one, which isn't great. The Juice like Force juice, is wonderful. Juice, okay, Juice Force was good. I like Juice Jolt from Southern Tier. Um, this I, I think it's helped by the fact that it's not an IPA, so it doesn't have that overly hot bitter. Being just like a sour ale. Um, it's, it literally says on the side of the can, it's a fruit punch sour ale with a fruit punch juice mix. Um, so I think they literally just brewed a Berliner Weiss and then they bought like a bunch of mass markets, like powdered, Uh like maybe not Kool-Aid, but like powdered drink mix and Mm -hmm. just added to it. Cause yeah, this, this tastes just like a Kool-Aid or Hawaiian punch. Like it's that kind of fake like tropical cherry flavor almost you know what's really sad about being like the brand name like kool-aid like people will say like oh don't you know he drank the kool-aid to be like oh he's joined the cult even though the cult thing uh refers back to what was it uh the the jonestown jonestown and everybody drank the kool-aid that which was poisoned but it wasn't kool-aid it was Tasty Aid, a cheap oh, knockoff tasty, brand. Tasty Aid was so happy about that. They're like, we're going to live forever. Us and Tom Cruise jumping out of the back of planes. And it wasn't it wasn't Kool-Aid, but everybody refers to it as Kool-Aid. And it was Tasty Aid. People should be like, don't drink the Tasty Aid. It wasn't I'm, Kool-Aid, I'm sure, buddy. I'm sure the Tasty Aid people were... Uh crying into their kleenexes about that yeah uh they needed a lot of Mm band-aids to 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 help cover that wound Mm -hmm. oh just saying brand names tasty let me let me me xerox them uh an apology letter for throwing them under the bus anyways paul we are a comic book podcast so is there a book you were looking forward to this week uh, by the time you're hearing this, it is now the 13th, but no, we're still looking at the books that came out yesterday, yeah. July 12th. As you guys probably know from my pick last week, which is Barnstormer, 
uh, number one. And the pick before, I think one of my picks before that was the Rocketeer. Paul loves people jumping out of planes. That's I, it. I, I've, just, I've been on this like 1940s, 19... 1930s, 19, uh, yeah, 1920s, 1930s, uh, aviator, uh, birth of aviation kind of kick. And the Rocketeer, man, it, it doesn't get better than that. Uh, punching Nazis. We got, I love that one shot that came out. Now we got another number one. I don't know if it's one shot or not. Uh, let me scroll down. Yep, it is not a one shot. It's actually a, it's the second, it's a continuation of, uh, the Rocketeer and the Great Race. This is the Rocketeer in the Den of Thieves, number one. So this is continuing on with that Great Race story. Uh, Cliff Cl- uh, Cliff's jetpack is uh, malfunctioning, broken, and they have to. Him and Betty have to get back from Europe after losing the race. Spoilers. Oh no! And, I know. But uh, they're they're just happy, you know. Cliff is, doesn't have to be the Rocketeer. He can focus on being being with Betty. Everything seems like everything's going to be great until apparently in this book, a band of Nazis come and kidnap Peavy. Oh no, Alan Arkin! <laughs> I know Alan Arkin's kidnapped because they believe that he is the key to creating their own bunch of rocket SS soldiers. So, uh, um, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds like uh, I know you guys didn't love. The Great Race, it seemed uh, a little stretchy, a little like it was stretched out, like, hey, should I do this? Should I go to Europe we, or not? We really liked the the one shot, though. And, yeah. you know, if I get more of that Rocketeer, as much as I made fun of the Indiana Jones portion of that book, mm-hmm. um, I, I would be down because I, I love the Rocketeer. Every time I go to Hollywood Studios now, I want to take a picture of the Rocketeer jetpack is on Sunset Boulevard. Like, it's there. They have it at, like, the frozen Coca-Cola drink station. Like, Mm -hmm. because it's, uh, I think it's called, like, Peeves Corner or something like that. Like, Peeves Corner. um, Where you just, like, walk past it because you're like, oh, this is a place just to get... Like frozen drinks, but like it's actually like the, his garage, and like they have like the the jetpack like hung up on the wall there. I just always forget to to take that moment to dwell. Um, but more of that rocketeer, yeah, because yeah, I, I could see they go into Hollywood Studios and like there has to be a mashup, a Star Wars slash rocketeer cosplay that you could do. I think it could be doable. I think it would have to feel more like Clone Trooper or like Stormtrooper base, like with the helmet. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I would go Clone Trooper because, you know, he fights, he would fight the Stormtroopers. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you know, but you even, know, even with I'll, taking off the helmet, just say like doing some like good, good, sh- good soldiers follow orders, though. Like, oh, well, you know, he's Cliff Seaborn. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't follow orders. But uh, the jacket, Star Wars is full of cool jackets, and oh, so the Rocketeer cool jacket's jacket awesome. But you can't wear those jackets in Florida. <laughs> no. But what you can do is buy comic books while you're in Florida, right, Chris? Like, yeah, you, I did it today. I got the bag sitting on my uh, nerd shelf you, next to me here. What's, what's top of your stack there, bud? Uh, so there's a few books that came out today that I was excited for, but the one that I could not wait to grab and the one that i also had that moment of 
okay, which cover am I going to get? Is DC Comics World's Finest Teen Titans number one, uh, being written by Mark Wade, who's also bringing us the regular World's Finest Batman and Superman book, uh, with art by Emanuela Lupacino. Uh, this is the book that I didn't put on my pull list, so I actually had to walk over to the shelf and be like, okay, which which cover am I going to grab? And shout out to the guy that saw me looking at all the covers and had picked up the last one of the uh, the Robin covers and put it back down. I was like, oh, do you want that one? And I was like, no, I'm going to get the Chris Samney cover because like, yeah, you know, it's got all the things on it. It's like, he's, he's fantastic. Um, I was also looking at the Jim Chung one, but it, it, the Jim Chung one was like the cardstock, so it was like five ninety nine versus the Chris Somney, which was three ninety nine, versus the Robin one, which was uh, Doc Evan Shaner, which was four ninety nine. Covers are ridiculous. I hate them now. Um, and then there's still like one in twenty five variants, one in fifty variants, one hundred variants. Chris, we're back um, in the nineties, buddy. We are in the nineties. As someone that is not buying books digitally now and goes to a comic book shop and has moments of like, Oh, did I buy this book? I now own two copies of Greenland or sorry, Green Arrow mm-hmm. number two, because I got it in my pull box, read it. But then the next time I went to the store, I saw a green arrow on the shelf and I was like, Oh, I, I don't have that book. And like, I, I grabbed it and then I got home and I'm starting to read. And I'm like, I read this because I saw a different cover and I was like, Oh, that's me problem, but also DC, this is a you problem. But yeah. Uh, uh, well, it's it still hasn't gotten to the point that I remember in the nineties where I would go to a comic book store, which was actually just a uh, sports card collectible store, and if it would there was a chase cover, they would charge like instead <laughs> of the two dollars, they would charge like oh it's a ten dollars, it's ten dollars, and they would bag it and board it and then charge you ten bucks. So, oh, we should we should go back in time and sue them. Yeah. For bag and board again. And unfortunately, like that would be the only one left because everybody else bought, you know, the recently priced one. And then as a kid, you're like, I wanted to read the next issue of X Factor. I just can't afford it. So I couldn't read the next. And that's when it got good Paul, again, Chris. It's it's okay because the next issue was when it was going to get good. I made the joke you were going to make yes. because it's always going to get it's gonna get it was good. only the joke that was the only joke that could be made. It's a uh, fixed but, moment in time. It's fixed in continuity, Chris. He cannot Mark, change it. Mark Wade is completely knocking it out of the park over on the the main world's finest title. I guess I should call it Batman Superman. Um, spoilers for when we do get to talk about the June look back. His Flash story in uh, the Flash 800 is basically what I would want a Flash World's Finest to be. It's the one with uh, Impulse and Max Mercury, where it's the Flash. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, like, trapped in the mirror dimension, and they're like, no, we need to. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> we told him step one. <laughs> he did not wait for step two. Uh, Arc Way, he just gets characters, yeah. and he writes the best versions of those characters that just, no matter what, point you came into said character at he he's gonna tell a story that you're gonna love and that's so so cool like that's just so great and that uh i'm excited to read this one very fun 
Very cool. Uh, normally, now is when we would be bringing you a dramatic. I do want to say one thing, uh, just so it's in on the internet forever and okay. will live forever and out will outlive me. On my epitaph, I do want to say, it should say, like, don't worry, this is when it gets good again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing that down. We'll also put up the picture that you had uh, when your camera froze that one time. Yeah. yeah. Your in memoriam picture. In my memoriam. Don't worry. Tomorrow, tomorrow is when it gets good again. <laughs> so uh, hopeful. It's a sh- it's a shame we don't title not episodes because that's what this one would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not ready for my next beer yet. I'm- Are you, sir? I'm just drink. I'm just sipping on it. But let's get into the main topic because yeah, <laughs> uh, this seems interesting. I, I am interested in Lorcana. I'm not completely sold on it. I've been looking for it every once in a while, like at the you know mainstream uh, board game shops, retailers. I not out shop yet. At. So yep, not have, out yet. And they also the pre-orders yeah. have been all sold out. Uh, <clears throat> oh really? Okay. The, the uh, on miniature market. Um, I haven't checked Cool Stuff Inc. Um, I when I went to my comic book store the one day, they just had a poster in their window because they do some yeah. TCG stuff. They say like, "Hey, we're now taking pre-orders for Lorcana." So, uh, I knew from the get-go as a fan of stuff like Magic: The Gathering, and I've played multiple other trading card games throughout my life that yeah, just didn't have that there. sticking power. Um, I was like, okay. It's Disney. It's a trading card game. This is something that I'm going to be interested in. I can probably get Yanni to play it, too, because it's Disney-based. She's not a big Magic fan, but we bought the um, Magic the Gathering Lords of the Ring starter deck sets. So, like, because she likes Lord of the Rings, so it's kind of like, oh, this is that gateway drug into it. So we've actually bought more packs of Lord of the Rings. So after we play a couple more games, like we can start to tweak and go into the deck building thing, which as as a nerd, that, that's kind of exciting to get your girlfriend into something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not talking about Lord of the Rings. We're not talking about Magic the Gathering. We're not even going to be talking about Keyforge or marvel versus dc versus what was the upper deck one dc versus is was a thing uh there's unmatched which is well not a card game so well it's a card game it's kind of like the arena game that i have uh that's an arena one we'll be talking Uh, about overpower we're not gonna be talking (laughs) about um there's there's netrunner netrunner we're not gonna be talking about uh that we're not gonna be talking about flesh and blood we're not gonna be talking about weiss schwartz there's a lot Yu-Gi-Oh. i've heard good things Pokemon. about flesh and blood though flesh and blood is supposed to be good um paul Lord i do the card game uh the new star do. wars trading card game that's coming out oh is it the decipher because they made the original one paul if you no, want oh no this is FF. i'm sorry this isn't flesh and blood this is another one um force of will when we went thrifting the other day i found a bunch of force of will starter decks like it, mm-hmm. i think it's like the hey you go to the card shop you pay your 10 bucks they give you the deck they give you a bottle of coke and like you sit down and you learn how to play the game and afterwards like wow you, you did really good want to buy more cards but for like five bucks there's like a, a bag that had like three starter decks in there so i was like I'll buy those like why not it's 
Yeah. You don't have to play that. Um, but Chris, there's we're one collect. There's one collectible card game that was created by Disney that beats them all, and that was at the parks, and that oh, was Sorcerers, uh, of, the Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. Rest in peace, King. Yeah. Like why? Why? Why stop it? I think What's, they didn't. Sup- I think maintenance because everything was digital and used screens, and those screens, a lot of them being out in the sun. There were times I would go to the park and I'd be like, oh, you know what? It's my day off. I'm yeah. just going to I'm going to get myself a Dole Whip float. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to play some Sorcerer of the Magic Kingdom. But some of the screens would be out in the different yeah. lands. So it would just be sending you back and forth between like two locations wow. because they couldn't send you to like the third and the fourth because they were down and out. Um, they also didn't come out with new cards unless it was something that they would just give you when you went to one of the after-hours ticketed events. Um, I I loved it. The day that I, again, it was one of my days off, I just went to be like, I'm going to eat a hot dog and play Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. The day I won Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom, I went to like one of the pin booths, and I bought the Sorcerer's Medal that was like hanging from a ribbon, because I was like, this is going to go on my pin board. Like, I'm... Yeah. I'm a sorcerer's master now. Like I, I did this. And there was um, definitely like I never got that far in it. In fact, I, I do still have the one card, the Rapunzel card that I got from you, I, Chris. Thank you. I think I actually gave all of my cards to someone else that was just trying to collect a full set. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I have too much nerd clutter as yeah. it is. Um. Actually, interesting fact, the guy that designed the Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom game, Imagineer, I don't remember his name, is also responsible for doing the Kim Possible World Showcase game. Okay, yeah. Makes um, sense. At Epcot, which was a lot of fun. Like, mm-hmm. that was great. It's been replaced by a DuckTales one now, which Yanni and I have done almost all of. I think we're missing, like, one or two countries. A lot of fun if you're a new uh, fan of the new DuckTales cartoon. I say new started and ended like four years ago now probably um but yeah so much side chatter sorry sorry no no because uh the one thing that gotta keep focused the one thing that you mentioned that i kind of want to uh ask about because this is going to be a collectible card game yes not a living card game it's uh so there is a chase factor unlike sources of the magic air yeah sources of the magic kingdom where you could collect a whole set. And unlike Netrunner or mm. some other living card games. You could collect a whole set because anytime you would go to Magic Kingdom, you would go over to the train station mm-hmm. on Main Street and they would give you a free pack mm-hmm. to play with. They also did sell packs. Mm. Uh, it looked like your typical like Upper Deck 9-card uh, nine grid sheet protector. Mm-hmm. Where it would have special cards that you could only get by buying them. Like oh. that's how you got like I don't remember like their terminology for like common, uncommon, mm-hmm. like they're legendary cards. Like those you could only get by investing in the the extra stuff. But it is there was a way. Okay, so there's not a real good way to collect all of but them. But the, is the thing is with the, the game is like. Part of it? 
the cards were just a thing to get to play the game. It didn't really matter what card that you had until you beat the game and you went back because then the types of cards you played interacted more with mm-hmm. the villains you were fighting. But nobody really knew like what was what in that. Like that was all like just an unspoken like oh. I played this card against Scar and like knocked him out automatically. So I guess this type of like spells best against them. Um, no, I, I'm more a general as a, you know, I was leading with a, those as an example, but more as a general thing hmm. is, do you like with magic, the gathering or any other collectible card game, do, is it something that you're like, Oh, I want it two or three or just one of each of the cards that come out in a set are you into the like i checklist i got i gotta collect them all i'm i'm not i predominantly play magic the gathering on magic arena like the digital version of the game where it is very easy to um, amass a collection i also like to buy magic the gathering cards just because i like to open up a pack i like that feeling of Opening a pack and seeing what cards I get, what okay. uh, what rare I might pull. Because again, like I don't play physical. Uh, last time I played physical was the day that I was up in Buffalo and like super friend of the show Greg was over and like we all just like mm-hmm. played Magic one night and drank like Resurgence beers. Um, I I like the opening packs, but I'm not someone that's like, oh, I need to get this card. I need to get every card. I'm more into just like, oh, let me buy. Let me buy a pack, just yeah. see what's in it, you know. And I don't even want to say, like, the gambling aspect, because there are people that will buy packs of cards hoping to hit that lottery card where it's like, oh, I bought the pack for $3. This card sells for 500 Like, mm-hmm. going to be rich. Like, so it's, no, not like the, it's not a slot machine. It's just like, oh, I wonder what I'll get. Like, yeah. in a set, is there things that you end up chasing at all? Like, looking at Lorcana, like... You, you're a big Disney fan. A huge Disney fan. So that might I see, say I you, you showed me a card Orlando. that said frying pan, and I'm like, yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna want like all the Rapunzel cards, and I'm gonna want probably all the Little Mer, you know, Little Mermaid cards. I'm gonna, you know, there's probably movies and you know themes that I would want to collect. I don't know how they play well together. I don't know any of that yet. But it, are, like when a set comes out from Magic, or as you're looking into a Lorcana, are, are there things that you definitely want to collect? Or is it more like, you know, I, there's a strategy that I want want to play in, and I will build... Will I? Are you just like, I don't care what cards I get, I will build a strategy with the cards I have? Yeah, I'm very much in the mind frame right now. It's like, it's a new card game coming out. I'm just excited to get the stuff that I was able to pre-order, mm-hmm. open up those packs, open up that box, see what I have, make decks from that. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there are going to be characters or cards that I want to collect that might become something of like that, that grail chase. Yeah. Um, but at right now, as someone that's looking forward to this game coming out as a card game fan as a uh, Disney fan right now I'm just excited to be like wow this looks cool this looks like it's going to be fun mm-hmm. um, so what, whatever I get is going to be what I get there's no 
like I need to have this yet. Not to say that there won't be. I'm, yeah. I know myself. I could hit the point where it's like, well, now I have to get all of this type of card or all the cards from this movie. But for for now, that's a future Chris problem. Like in Magic the Gathering, I like building theme sets because or theme decks because I think it's most fun to have a theme or anything like that. Uh, I'm a blue player because people tell me that I'm a blue player that have, you know when I've gotten into trying to play Magic. Uh, but I find myself not loving the denial aspect, which is like in Magic the Gathering, if you don't know, uh, blue, there is like cards they can play that basically stop the other person from playing on their turn, interrupt cards. And it's, yeah, it's it's kind of fun. You're trying to control the board and control what the other person can do before they can do it. I find that I enjoy the aspect of blue, which is like, I want a whole mess of cards in my hand. I want a huge library of cards. My deck is going to be huge. I'm going to be constantly drawing cards and just having a world of possibility in front of me. That's the kind of, you know, I like the breaking of the rule of the hand limits. Like, I don't want to have a hand limit when I'm playing uh, Magic the Gathering. I want every single card in front of me at all times. I'm talking about uh, being a blue player. Mm. And not. I don't love the aspect of the denial. I love the breaking the rule of, like, hand, hand size okay. and hand limits and just having, like, a mass of cards in front of me. And, like, what do I want to do? What what avenues are in front of me, like in having like every avenue in front of me, which leads me to never doing anything well because I'm already <laughs> glad do it all. because I've been just sitting there collecting cards instead of putting things down in front of me. Uh, but it's still fun. I still like yeah. it. Um, uh, so we can get into it now. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's I, a, I just wanted to get your general approach to collectible card games. Have you played any living card games, things that with a limited set like Netrunner that's like, hey, no, you I, buy this set, you buy this set of cards, it comes with these cards. Like a, like a deck builder. Yeah, or a deck builder, well, like Dominion, uh, Plank. Uh, those are a little bit different because I, the, the part of the game is building your deck. But that's things what, like Netrunner, like you still build your own deck. But there's no chase involved because you know exactly what what cards you're getting at all times. So what I like about Magic and Lorcana, once we start to get these cards and play with this, for me, I like the problem solving that comes with building a deck. Whether you're playing just like, okay, this is all the packs that I bought what can I make from this? Or if you're doing a draft situation where, because I've done magic drafts in the past where it's like, you get past a pack of cards, you're like, okay, I can take one from this. What am I going to take? Okay, past it, I don't know what the next pack coming to me is going to have in it. I like that aspect of the game. Yeah. Um, oh, with the draft, uh, just a tip. Don't do that with a core pack, core uh, release. Do that with an expansion or a... Uh, what were those called? The expansions. Yeah, the expansion release, or you know, don't do it with a core set release, uh, because the expansions, the cards will have better interplay between the cards that are yeah. designed to work together versus the core, which is too broad. So the draft scenario just doesn't work as well. It just doesn't. 
this is very nice. Um, talk about beer later. Um, no, but for me, I I like the okay. This is what I got. Game time. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Um, but then again, playing on arena where it's like, okay, how can I build the most optimized deck for what I want to do or how I want to play, uh, or just what I like because. With Arena, they do, like, the daily challenges where it's like, oh, play this many of this type of card. Like, okay, yeah, I can play a red-white deck, but what kind of red-white deck am I going to want to play? And I like that aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, not just being, be, like, like, okay, these are the cards. Go. Mm-hmm. I find that... I, I enjoy that aspect of it, of, of uh, like, Magic and other <clears throat> things, up to a certain point where I feel like I fall behind mm-hmm. the, you know, the collection. Uh, I fell, I, this is why I fell off arena is because like every time I felt like I actually started gathering, getting enough cards with a set, the new expansion be, would be released onto arena. And then like once the card started like falling off is when I, when I fell off. Uh, uh, so on that note, it was announced a couple months ago that, for what you're talking about, standard, which mm-hmm. is uses cards for the past like two years, they're actually expanding standard out to include like an extra year of card okay. releases. So, because that's one of the things like they want to have standard be a more viable gameplay mm-hmm. format, and they realize like a lot of people don't like standard because it's like, well now I have to keep buying cards, and all these yeah. other cards I have like don't matter. So. That might solve some of that issue that you have with it, because now the cards that you've bought like last year mm-hmm. and this year, you'll be able to continue to use next yeah. year too. So, and, uh, but all you know what the thing is with card games, all of this stuff is made up. Like, yeah, you can just do whatever you want. Like, make up your own rules, make up your own formats. That's yeah, when, when I play with Greg or you, it's, it doesn't matter when the cards came out. Yeah, yeah just, it's, it, that's that what's matters. referred to as, like, your kitchen table yeah. magic, where it's like, yeah, you got a card, yeah, throw it in your deck, cool. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, I, why I like doing the draft night, because I didn't need to do a bunch of preparation. It Like, I felt we, like we were all on even footing when you do a draft night, and, you know. And you, it was like, hey, one price we're all in we all um, you know play there's there's a new thing that wizards of the coast is doing and this is before i, I do want to move into oh, i saw camp. the set actually at like a card uh, at a game store and i'm like oh should i buy this box it was like a jumpstart it was jumpstart something where it was like oh yeah it comes and like it's draft night in a box and you just oh okay no that's that's something different um Next time I come up to Buffalo, I was going to buy a box of Jumpstart because Jumpstart, it's a box of packs. Mm-hmm. Each pack is its own, like, 20-card deck. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is you get two packs. Mm-hmm. They're randomized. You put them together. Baby, you got yourself a deck. Okay. So my... my the the but, pack that I saw was different. It was almost like in a pentagram-shaped box. That's one of their game nights. Yeah releases it's something they do every year around holiday time to be like hey oh you gotta buy a present for little johnny who likes magic oh you can get him this board game version of magic with cards that he could use and some other stuff um jumpstart's literally like 
you get two packs. Hey, you don't need to think about it. You now have a deck. Uh, so I've, I've already started building, like, how we can do that in my brain as just, like, a fun, like, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm up in Buffalo. I got this. Let's get grab some wings, grab some beers. Have you played, because you said taking two decks and uh, putting them together, have you played either Smash Up? Keyforge? Uh, well, Keyforge is a randomly generated, like, thing, but a little different than uh, Smash Up. Smash Up is this, you know, like, set cards in releases uh but you can but every when you buy the box you get like let's say eight, eight packs and person mm-hmm. bears and zombies and cowboys and out of those eight everybody sits down and picks two packs so now i'm playing this zombie bear deck yes just a mix of zombies and bears or you know vampire aliens uh you know Smashing up two different things, genres, and creating uh, a deck. I have not, but that's kind of what Jumpstart is, because when you open your pack, that pack is also like its own sealed pack inside. So it could mm-hmm. say gigantic. Hmm. You don't know what that's necessarily going to mean, because there's multiple iterations of what gigantic is. And then mm-hmm. the second pack you grab could be zombies, which also has multiple iterations. So you now have gigantic zombies. So it's going to be like a green... Com- and black. how many decks come in a jumpstart? Um, or... I want to say no, because they come in like booster packs, but you can buy a okay. booster box that has, I think, like 24 packs in it. Mm-hmm. So it would be like a, a thing where it's like, hey, pick your... Completely... Pick your noun. It, it would basically be like, okay, pick your two packs, open them up. Is there one you want to put back and take... A new one or take something that somebody else has declined to take Ooh, put them together Christmas. like it, yeah kind of mean chris it's like okay you play your match okay oh you won well now you get another pack that you can like replace one of your packs with like just kind of like a oh the you chose wisely you get you get more cards what do you want to switch out do you want to keep those cards leave them on the side because maybe you don't use those ones. You play against the next person. You win. You get your second pack. Well, now you got a whole brand new deck. Like, I don't, uh, it, it's it's something I'm thinking about. So you'll be there. John will be there. Greg will be there. Ed's played Magic, so. Anyways, yeah. Disney Lord Canna, guys. Lord Canna. So this collectible card game. All right. So now we got the baseline of our collectible card game experience out of the way. Yeah, let's dive we, in. We we know what we're talking about. We're not we're yeah. not coming into this like fresh. I remember playing Magic the Gathering back when it was new in the uh, mid '90s. I hate myself because I had cards from like Alpha, Beta, and Revised that. It was a card game. Like I just played with them, and eventually I hit a point where I was like, "Oh, I don't need these anymore," and I got rid of them. And then I was like, "Oh, those cards are really funny." Anyways, uh, during so. during early high school, every sleepover I went to, it was turned into just a Magic the Gathering constantly, and I was the kid that didn't have any cards. So they'd be like, "Here, play this deck," and then I'd start to play, and then they would say, "I lost," and I'm like, "Oh, because nobody taught me the rules." <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. But that's what we're going to do right now, Paul. Yeah. We're going to talk about the rules and how to play Lorcana. Just kind of like, 
And all of the cards have not been released yet. Like, they're still showing stuff off. Like, we don't have a full card list. Like we set up at the front, game is still not out yet. Some stores are still taking pre-orders for it. Again, I'm buying into this heavy, so I, I've already got money down for it. I can't wait for the beginning of August when it's going to be released to uh, local game stores. It will be available in mass market retailers, so places like Walmart and Target, at the beginning of September. Um, so local game stores will have it a month early just to support them, which, hey, good on you, Ravensburger, for doing that, like realizing, like, no, we're a card game, we want people to go to card stores to get it. Um, so very first thing, you got to talk about your deck. Yep. Um, I'm going to use Magic the Gathering as yeah. a reference point for a lot of this. So hopefully, dear listener, you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, Basically, you Richard Garfield, that's, the founder. He, he, he did the creator, the innovator. The, the best version of a card game with Magic the Gathering. That so much stuff is based off of it. Uh, because Magic is known for having its five different colors, each one respective of a different like style or type of Magic. And it seems like right off the bat, they're doing something similar with Lorcana, where they do have their different colors of inks. There's six different ones. Uh, what differentiates Lorcana from something like Magic, where Magic, you can build your deck using any of those five colors, or you can be wild. You could use no colors because there's also colorless cards, which is like also a viable deck strategy. Um, but with Lorcana, your deck is limited to either one or two colors of ink. And mm -hmm. ink is kind of like your school of magic. Uh, so cool. to start them off, uh, the very first one is going to be amber. And this is coming directly from the Disney Lorcana website for these descriptions. But amber uh, ink... <clears throat> um, and when we say creatures or characters, those are referred to as glimmers. Because when you're playing this game, you as the Illumineer are using ink to create versions of your beloved Disney characters, which are not the real characters. They're glimmers mm. of mm. them. Um, but amber glimmers are purposeful, patient, dedicated. They're able to pursue causes and ambitions with single-minded persistence. They often work within communities, either from above as a leader or from within as a healer, bodyguard, bodyguard, or just a loyal follower. Well, they're the um, most patriotic of all the glimmers. They're, they're pretty patriotic. So it's a, salute to all, it's a salute to all colors, but mostly amber. Um, <laughs> so when I read that, I automatically think white mana from Magic the Gathering, where it's like, hey, community, play together, build up. That's where your strength, where your defense is going to come from. Uh, next color is going to be Amethyst. Can I ask about this? Awesome. Are you there can... going to be characters, movies, you know, properties that are tied to specific colors only? Or mm. are they going to annoy me and be like, oh, you want to get all the Rapunzel ones? You want Flynn Rider and Rapunzel? Guess what? They're on like three. They're spread across like all six inks. Yes. Uh, yes, they are, because that, that's also going to be something that I talk about next, actually, after you uh, get through the, the colors of ink. So good question, because yes, no Paul, they're, they're going to annoy you. Uh, next color is amethyst. So if you're like, amethyst, it's purple, guys. Uh, amethyst glimmers are wondrous. 
for this otherworldly ink of sorcerers, sages, and animated objects and other glimmers who use their special powers to achieve their aims. They're incredibly powerful when they have access to their amazing abilities, but may land in trouble if they're stripped of those abilities and can't tap into the power they control. Uh, Amethyst for me sounds like blue. Yep. Like it's that very much like, hey, we're we're resource, we're spell driven. That's what we got to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is Emerald. Emerald glimmers are flexible, gifted with the ability to adapt to a changing circumstance. Uh, never caught off guard. Quick thinking, but not necessarily book smart. They navigate their environment, whether physical or social, natural or artificial, with ease. Red. For me, this seems pretty red. Okay, cool. Like, red is <laughs> a very adaptive color, but it also kind of does feel like green mana a little bit because it does seem like green's very well-rounded too like they have a lot of resources and magic to do what they need to do to get around stuff like a lot of protection a lot of direct damage a lot of like boosting your own abilities up uh next color is going to be ruby ruby glimmers are daring they use their speed and bravery to defy the oh, odds. Okay. They're often warriors and explorers and daredevils, which is also red. Okay, that's red. Yeah, the last one was more green. You're right. <laughs> uh, next color. I heard sapphire. like click on their feet, and I'm like, oh, red. Like they're because they got haste. <laughs> but there, there's some like there are some crossover between these colors because then again, next color is sapphire. Sapphire glimmers are intellectual, intelligent, and creative. They excel at strategy, intervention, and the arts. They can almost always know something, plan something, or invent something that will win the day. Because this is also blue. blue. Yeah. Like, it's artifact blue versus denial blue. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, steel. Steel are strong. Imposing, large and imposing, armored, or just plain powerful, steel glimmers can apply huge amounts of brute force to get the job done. So this okay, is also green. very green. Yeah. Um, so when we start talking about the actual card types themselves, like, this is just like the the mind frame you need to be in when you're playing those cards. Because again, your deck could be all sapphire, or you could be sapphire and steel. Like you have some wiggle room between stuff. Uh, one of the products that they're offering are going to be uh, starter decks, so pre-made decks mm-hmm. ready to go as soon as you open up the box. And each one of the decks, and I believe there's four, are a combination of two of the different colors. Uh, this is something that I wanted to pre-order, but the guy at my car store was like, we can't actually select which decks you get because the pre-order is just in as starter decks. So if I pre-order four starter decks, I could get All four of the same. same one. Like, And uh, he was like, it probably wouldn't be that. Like, be, being realistic, but also being realistic, like, I can't, I can't say it's not going to be that. And there's, uh, out of the six decks, though, it's not like there's the... Oh, this is the villain deck. I want I want to collect all the villains. I'm going to collect this deck. There's no like when I heard Disney Lorcana, I was thinking, oh, OK, cool. If they're going to do sets and then they came out with this thing with inks, I'm like, OK, cool. I'm going to want I want to create a villain deck. I'm going to get the villain ink. I'm going to get the black ink. Yeah, and it's not like that at all. It's not like because all the villain characters, ink, there's whether, a princess ink, there's a whether you're which I was thinking. And this is kind of going into a little bit more of the actual card types, which we're going to talk about next. But you have your heroes, you have your allies, you have your princesses, you have your villains. Any of those characters could fall into any of those colors of inks. Right. And to your previous question before, some of those 
characters also have various versions of themselves, which could be in different colors of the inks, which also falls under their their car types. Um, it's right off the bat, like as soon as you introduce different schools of playing, whether it's magic, inks, what you want to call it, you have my attention now because instantly you have different play styles just based on whatever you have presented to you or whatever you want to play with. And I think that's really cool because that means every game you have the ability to build or play a different deck. And all of those games are going to be different now because you're not just being like, oh, I'm going to attack with my Rapunzel. It's like, well, which Rapunzel is it? Because there's going to be different versions that do different things. So I'm going to be tied in. Like, I know who I am as 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 a collector slash player of these kind of games. Once I get the cool card, I'm going to find you know, like I'm going to open up the first pack. And if that the cool like this rare or super rare, whatever it will be called, if that connects with me, I'll be like, yep, that's my color. Yeah, you but you build around that. Yeah, and, and I will build around that. From that's that completely on. valid. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Unless it's like a card that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's 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 a super rare card. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't really connect with it. I don't really. And then I'll be chasing the whatever but card. See, that's also the fun of a, a card game where it's like, I don't connect with that. But that is a cool effect. Who who do I have that could work with that? Right. So the other thing with deck building, while you're limited to either one or two colors of inks, it's also card count. So decks are capped at 60 cards, which is kind of standard, I think. Mm-hmm. It, it's... I is is does magic have a cap for the number of cards or so is the it official cap suggest- for cards is it's limited to the number that you yourself can physically shuffle because that is a thing that plays Paul <laughs> Paul is just like mm-hmm. <laughs> like you have to be able to shuffle your My deck cap at- is three then <laughs> <laughs> you have to be able to physically shuffle your deck just to make sure there is that element of randomness to it. Um, not just to start the game, but like, you may play something that's like, hey, do this, then shuffle your deck. Like, you have to actually be able to pick it up and be like, yes, okay, my cards are now random again. Wait, wait, wait. A grandma shuffle, as I like to refer to it, where you just take the whole, your deck and you just... Shuffle, put them on the put table. It, put it on the table. Swish them like around. Sing, so now it's like a single layer, and then you sw- yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, swap it I hate, around. I hate that so much. I learned how to shuffle cards to avoid doing that. Uh, <laughs> But then also there is a limit of four cards per individual named card. Um, So each card has its own name, but this is where it kind of comes into what we had again talked about before, because you might have different versions of Rapunzel because you could have, and I'm just making these up right now, Rapunzel stuck in a tower. Yeah. You could play four for it, but then you could have Rapunzel queen of, queen of the kingdom like so you could have four of those in there too mm-hmm. they will probably be different color inks so now you're looking into different different play styles but that's kind of the fun of it because each one of those cards will do something different and there might be some synergy there there might not because a lot of it's going to depend on that card style mm-hmm. like the ink and then the the card type i feel so wait i'm limited to the name but the name also includes the version. So as long as it, so if I have Mickey Mouse 
Steamboat Willie, mm-hmm. right? And then I have Mickey Mouse, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Different character. It's still Mickey Mouse, but there's it's still... It's Mickey Mouse, but the actual card name, not character name, is is different. different. So, yes, okay. you can do four and four. Because um, to talk about cards, I did send Paul some of these cards. We'll name them so you can see them on your on your own uh, screen if you want to look them up as we're talking about this. But the very first thing we're going to be talking about are the Glimmers, or your creatures. And the one that I sent Paul is going to be Kristoff, official Ice Master. And this is a Steel-type card. Um, we're going to go through it because up in the very top corner of Kristoff, you're going to see a number. Kristoff uh, has a three in his top corner. So that means this card is going to cost three ink, to summon, cast, bring him onto the board. Uh, From my what's... hand, out to the play field. Yes. So three ink. Ink is going to be your resource. Uh, Lord Canada does not have an independent resource that you're going to be playing. All of your cards are going to have a indicator that it's something that can be inked. And if it can be inked, that means it's put into your well. It's now a resource. Ink is the same resource across all your cards, all your resources. You don't need to worry about having a certain number of steel ink and amethyst ink to summon something. You got ink, you're good. Um, We can tell, again, he costs three ink to summon because the ink logo has that little swirly around his like hexagon with, with the number inside it. This character or this card can be inked. So that's one of the things you can do during your uh, play phase is you can ink a card. Once you ink a card, hey, you play them face down. You have to show that this card can be inked. So now if I decide I want to ink Kristoff, I play him face down. I now have one ink. If I have three ink, yep, each card you... Okay. He's not worth three. Nope. Each card is its own. It's one ink, but each card costs its own ink to play. Mm -hmm. Um, So you might have cards that you don't want to play because like, oh, hey, I I drew poorly. I don't have seven ink to cast this card. I'm just going to put it into my ink well so now I can play Kristoff on my turn three. Um, Okay. So this is a big departure from this. Well, it could be a big departure from Magic the Gathering. Can you ink more than one card? So, per turn. It depends on what other cards you play or what other cards you might have in play, because there could be something that lets you ink another card through an like an action. Right, much like Magic: The Gathering, though. Like, yeah. You, normally, you cannot play more than one land card per turn. Exactly. So normally, you cannot ink more than one card. But I could play a card that says, like, hey, yeah. ink another card. Mm-hmm. So you could ramp up. Right. To get and more that, that's what I'm kind of getting at, the ramping up of uh, of your economy. Exactly. Okay. And so uh, so we, we can see the lovely art of Mr. Kristoff here. He's hauling that block of ice. He does what he does. Uh, so this card is named Kristoff, official ice master. So if there's another card in a different color that's also called Kristoff something, you could play that four of that card as well. Uh, also on that line with his name is going to be the character's toughness and power. So we can see Kristoff is 
a 3-3. So he has three attack, three defense. And this is important because one of the other mechanics in this game is challenging. Unlike something like Magic the Gathering where you're attacking your opponent to the <laughs> face because yeah. you have a certain life total, you can challenge your opponent's characters themselves. And winning challenges is how I win this game? No. Oh, uh, then how do I win? Oh, I'm sorry. I should have uh, explained. If we're explaining a game, the first thing you do, if you want to keep my wife's interest, is explain how you win. So, so how with, do I win? <laughs> with Lorcana, you have to earn 20 lore. Okay. And I win them through challenges. You win them by sending your character on a quest. Okay. And I know this is a one of the questions that you had, because when you were going through like the quick play rules, you're like, quest? Wow. What What do they I keep on saying for? about quest, quest, quest? And we'll get like, to that. Okay, then so, what the heck's a quest? Challenging is basically how you remove your opponent's characters from the board. So then they don't have that glimmer available to go on quests. Mm. Because when you go on a quest, you earn lore. When you earn lore, that's how you get to your 20 that you need to accrue to win. That's your win condition. We have a reverse life counter. Pretty much. You're not attacking your opponent. You're doing something to gain resources. And all you can do is stop your opponent from gaining resources. Correct. Okay. It's a a Disney game, guys. (laughs) So, well, we haven't played it yet. And I don't know if there's videos of people playing this game. But does it... Does that make it feel more solitaire where you're building your own engine to create, you know, to get the ability to to earn lore and all you're doing? The only interaction is to stop the other person from earning lore. I feel like no, because you're still needing to interact to remove your opponent's glimmers. You're still casting actions. You're using items which these are all card types that we're going to talk about next, um, to slow your opponent down. So it's not just a, I need to do this. It's an, it's also I need to stop you from doing that, too. Right. Um, it feels very blue right now. It's uh, It feels more denial than... Like when it's when the point of the game is to battle each other and like reduce each other's life, like there's that understanding like, hey, it's combative. We're we're mm-hmm. here, we're being combative. When the goal of the game is to earn something by playing your own cards, that like interruption of hey, I'm I'm trying to do this and you're denying me to do that, it feels different. You know what There's, I mean? It's just that so to speak to that point, there are cards and there are ink colors that are going to be your aggressive style where mm-hmm. it's going to be characters that come out. They might not be able to quest for lore, but they're characters that you're playing onto your battlefield because they have that ability to just be like, hey, I'm going to get in. I'm going to be removing my opponent's characters that can quest. Like, there is still the battle aspect to it, because I don't want it to sound like there's not. Like, you do need to take into account, like, what am I building up on my board versus what mm-hmm. my opponent's building up on their board? Because we are creating our own plans to get to that 20. Mm-hmm. 
It, I'm just saying there's there's a reason people hate playing against blue and magic. It's it, because people hate people, playing against blue because it mostly doesn't let you play the game, though. Right. Like you'll right. still be able to play the game. It just there's going to be some control. Mm-hmm. But that that's just baked into like TCGs, and it's uh, yeah, yeah. I think this is an interesting. Now that I know that's what this game is, I'm like actually really interested in seeing how that balance works out. Because I I picked a poor character because each card will have its own abilities, kind of like how Magic has your haste, your trample, your uh, defender. Like there are abilities that are going to be on some of these cards that mean like, hey, this character might not be able to go on a quest to earn lore, but I can use it to jump in front of another character that my opponent is trying to challenge. Like, there is going to be interplay between your your board states. Okay. And, um, it, and it's set up that way to have that enter. That's what I'm worried about. I want to make sure that this game, the game is actually set up where it's really understood and it's just a constant, like, interplay between the two board states versus... You know, because there's a lot of yeah. like European games that I play that it, it definitely seems like, oh, I am doing this as long as I'm the most efficient at doing what I do, I should win. Oh, wait, you no, interrupted me, and that seems like out of the... It's definitely baked into it that it's not going to just be like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I win. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to take turns to be like, okay, I need to interact with your board state. Yeah. I need to do this to stop you from doing something. I can't just operate as an island. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, I picked a bad card. Like, it was just a card that popped up to say, like, oh, like, this one looks good (laughs) in the chat. So, Kristoff does not have any extra abilities. Like, so he doesn't have anything like like a Battlefield modifier. But he's got some flavor text there. So, you know, some fun quotes. Um, we can also see he's a steel ink card because of the color on his character name banner. Mm-hmm. And then he's also got a little notifier to the right there that indicates, yes, this is a steel-based card. Um, and then there's a type line on here. Much like Magic, each glimmer has its own type. So we can see he is a story-born ally. Uh, there are going to be cards that interact with different character types in different mm-hmm. ways. Um, we have Storyborn, there's Dreamborn, and then there's Stormborn. There's no official, like, this is what this means, this is what this means, this is what this means. Um, but the general consensus is Storyborn is like the, hey, you watch Frozen this is that version of Kristoff. The uh, Dreamborn is like the idealized version of that character. Mm-hmm. So this is like, hey, 20 years from now, you check in with Kristoff. This is who Kristoff's going to be. Like, he, it's yeah. like he's the perfect version of who he is. Um, and then Stormborn seems to be almost like you're kind of multiverse version where it's like oh what if Kristoff wasn't the ice master what if it was Kristoff Ray 
raised by the sea. Like this is like he never met the trolls. Like what would that version of Kristoff be? So he would have completely different abilities, different color, and that's where like the different ink styles come into play. He's warforged. Yes, yeah, the warforged. He might be, you know, Ruby. He's a little bit more aggressive. He's not so go with the flow, agreeable. It it's just going to depend on that version of the character. Um, so there might be different cards that interact with storyborn dreamborn stormborn in different ways um cards that affect allies cards that affect heroes affect princesses like there are card types in here so again when it comes into deck building you're not just going to be looking at like okay what two colors am i picking there's going to be archetypes like oh am i going to be playing princess control because now i need princesses from amethyst but i also want princesses from amber because they've they've got the control there um so it gives you a little bit more play but Mm -hmm. next to his flavor text there which literally is just references from the movie because again this is storyborn so this is Kristoff in frozen uh you can see two little almost like pyramid triad shapes Mm -hmm. that's his lore uh so during your turn after you begin um you go ready, set, go. Your ready is you draw your card for the turn, you untap your cards, or you energize them so they're now face up, ready to do what you need to do for your turns. Um, when you get to your set, that's when you check your board state to see, okay, do I have anything that's going to affect my go? Phase, mm-hmm. like anything that's going to be one of my modifiers if i choose to challenge or quest and then go is where you say like okay Kristoff is going to exert himself so he's going to turn 90 degrees sideways tapping he's going to challenge my opponent's character or he's going to quest questing is what gets you lore so if i have the ability to send Kristoff on his quest if he's able to quest successfully, he will earn me two out of the 20 lore that I need to win. Okay, so do I just say, oh, he's out questing and he automatically earns me two? Or is are there yep. quest cards? Or are there... So you have... And these are your spells, because glimmers are your characters that you play. Uh, mm-hmm. But next, I uh, we have what's referred to as actions. Where magic has something like your instants or your sorceries, mm-hmm. Lorcana has your action cards, which are just your spells that you can play. So the one that I put in our chat is Befuddle. Uh, and this is an amethyst action spell. It costs one ink, or it can also be put into your ink well as a resource. Uh, but Befuddle, it's got a beautiful picture of Merlin from... Uh, sword and the stone on it and it says return a character or item with a cost of two or less to their player's hand so this is kind of one of your your blue denial cards like this is yep. clearing off your opponent's board this is demystify so no i can do something return yep so this is all stuff that you would be doing yeah like you're you're clearing your opponent's board so now i can either challenge a different character or i can go on a quest for lore uh more successfully and can this are so do the different card types, much like in magic, have different 
times that you can play them. Like interrupts can be played on an opponent's turn. Can actions be played on an opponent's turn? Or can they only be played on your turn? So there's no like instance to this. I, I'm playing stuff on my side okay. to, to get my characters through. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you not, can only play say, on your turn. So far. Not to say that won't change, but mm-hmm. for like what we're the, this first set, which is called like the first chapter, this is where we're at. So it's more I'm doing this, I'm denying you from doing that. Where later on we might have a oh you're doing this. Well, no, I respond by saying you can't do this. Um, we do have another type of action, which I think is actually really cool. Because uh, that's the next card that I put in the chat. Because this is an action, but it's a song. Mm. And Disney's known for their musicals. Uh, songs are actions that you need to have a character of a certain type to sing that song. So with Let It Go, we can see that this costs five ink to play. And it does say on it, a character with a cost of five or more can exert itself to sing the song for free. So... If I have a glimmer on the board that costs five or more, I can turn him sideways to activate this action card, which now means I can't use that card to challenge one of my opponents. I can't exert that card to go on a quest, but I'm using that as a resource to have another character sing the song. Because then Let It Go does say, put chosen character into their player's inkwell face down and exert it. So this is kind of a a denial card, but you give your an opponent a resource for playing it. But I could clear off one of your glimmers that lets you quest for four lore, but you know what? Maybe that's worth it to give you that extra ink per turn because now you can't quest for four and win in five turns. And these action cards are a one-time use kind of thing. They don't stay on your board. They're not part yes. of the board state. You play them. They have their effect, their one-time effect, and then they go into your discard. Yes. The only cards that we have that will stay on the board are our items, which the one that I sent is something that I knew you would appreciate because this is the frying pan, and this is also a steel card. Make make sense. Yeah. I mean, I would prefer an iron. Yeah, yeah, pen, just so you get that, those minerals <laughs> inside of you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. this item... You banish this item, so it goes into your discard pile. And then it says, chosen character can't challenge during their next turn. So this is, again, it's a little bit more of a denial card, where by me playing this card means, hey, yeah, your character next turn can't challenge one of my cards. So if you have a glimmer that's super powerful, you can't use that glimmer to challenge one of mine to remove them from the board, so then... my next turn, I can't have them quest yeah. for the lore I need to win the game. Yeah, that, that's interesting because unlike Magic the Gathering where you tap and it's just a one action kind of thing, they're they're just going after your face. This is, you can choose to have these glimmers quest or challenge. So there is a difference there. Yeah, and again, it's... You could build up a deck that's just, okay, I'm going to build a nice, big, beefy glimmers that are there to challenge my opponents, remove them from their deck. So 
now they can't go on the quests, but I'm going to let my little guys go on quests. And it's fine because I might only be able to quest for one or two lore per turn, but my my big guys are removing all of my opponent's glimmers. Mm-hmm. So now they can't even challenge. If they do challenge, it's fine because I got these big guys that are going to stand up to it. Or I'll, I'm going to challenge, remove, so then they can't go for lore. Or you could be playing, you know, your befuddled decks where it's like, it doesn't matter who you throw down because I'm just popping them back, baby. They're mm-hmm. gone. I'm Merlin you. Yeah. Turned into an insect. Jumped on your head. <laughs> now you're itchy. So I, I think it's very fun because they definitely did go into this in a more Disney way where it's not, I'm trying to take you down. And I know that's kind of one of the things that you were talking about. Yeah. It's not like, yes, it is head-to-head, but I'm not trying to defeat you. I'm trying to beat you to an objective. Yeah. There's, if you and I, it's kind of like this. There's a mindset that we get into that you and I kind of agree upon. Is this a race or is this a fight? If you and I sit it's down for both. a race. You know what I mean? Like, though, like, if the game feels too much like a race... I'll be upset when you shove me when you go by because I'll be like, whoa, 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 this is a race. If it's a fight, I can't be upset that you shove me, you know, because it's understood as a fight. And that's the thing, because I do still feel it's both. It just depends on your play style. Like, are you racing your opponent or are you fighting your opponent? Because Mm -hmm. depending on how you view that end game, you're going to build a different deck because I might be racing you. You might be trying to fight me. Right. Both and are valid. Both, both, are both valid. could get us there to the finish line. But that, there's that psychology where both people have to understand that coming in. And because, you know, just like when I was a kid in the video, playing a video game, like, like it's not letting me, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to make this jump, and obviously the video game is not letting me. Oh, make this, this, this jump. game's broken. I can't, this I game's can't broken. make it. Yeah, and uh, that's that's my one fear. Is like when you go to sit down to play this game, if you built a deck to be very efficient to just gain lore, and you go up against somebody that's very, if that isn't even gaining lore, all they're doing is like keeping you from gaining lore. It could become very frustrating. It's my argument why people hate playing against blue decks because you're not actually playing the quote unquote game as you understand it. But the other person is playing the game as they understand it. It's just a very confrontational game versus a very like, hey, I'm building towards something game. I I'm interested to see how it plays out. That's all. When like when it comes um, to I said in our our pre-show chat that there's already people out there that are getting into the deck crafting and theory crafting where they basically made proxy decks and made copies of the cards. And they're already creating archetypes and Mm -hmm. play styles, Mm -hmm. um, which is impressive because we don't even have all the cards yet. So they're just saying like, okay, oh, they showed off this card. Let me print out four of them. Mm-hmm. Let me let me try to build something with this. So 
I can't give you any of those channels because, again, like, I'm just excited to get into this game. I'm not yeah. in the competitive mind frame for it. I'm just like, hey, this is going to be cool to sit down, have Yanni and I take a day where we're like, yeah. oh, I'm going to – I'm playing Moana. Like, oh, Mo- Moana singing one jump ahead. Like, it's <laughs> – it, like it's gonna be the fun of the game, right? To get us going forward. Um, other people are going in a lot more competitive, but that's that's not me as a person, you know. Right. Um, I think it looks cool. They are playing it very. I don't want to say safe, but they're just going like, okay, here we are. Yep. Recognizable Disney characters to start. Like, these are the base rules for it. I assume if and when we get, like, Chapter 2, whatever they wind up calling it, that's when they're going to start to introduce a little bit more intricacies to it. They might start to branch out into some of the stuff, like, all the characters we have are just Disney-branded. Maybe Chapter 2 is like, oh, right, you know, here's Woody. Mm-hmm. Desert Sheriff, you know, maybe we'll start to get some more Disney ancillary brand stuff. And, you know, that's when we'll get the the dark Rapunzel, like Rapunzel yeah. bound by hair, like we're just Medusa style, like the the weird versions of characters. And I, I think that's kind of the fun of this game, because one of the cards that they showed off that's coming in one of the. I don't remember what they call it, but it's like a head-to-head deck where it's like, hey, you buy this box, you get a Hades deck, you get a Mulan deck, play it. Mm-hmm. Like, the Hades card is like Hades God of Olympus, where he's got, like, instead of, like, his blue fire hair, it's like long, gold-flowing locks. And it's like, oh, this is Hades <laughs> if he he won the Assault on Olympus. Like, cool. Who's that guy versus, like, Hades Lord of the Underworld? Like, yeah. It, it, it's... It seems like it's going to be fun. Is it going to be something that's like a worldwide phenomenon? I don't I don't know. But I think it is going to have its own following from Disney nerds like me and card game nerds that are like, oh, hey, this is a new game that's fresh on the scene. I can become the best at this because it's new. Nobody else yeah. is like world champion yet. Like I have the ability to like, to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm a little bit more nervous about it, but I'm excited. Chris, oh, you, to be you, nervous really like... you, can, you can ignore this game if you want. You don't even I have can. to pay attention to it again. Uh, Chris, you were really enjoying your last beer. And as you're talking about that last beer, I, wanna, I want you to think of a card that if it gets made oh. or when it gets made, you know that this card game is done. I already have a card in my mind. <laughs> okay. Okay. It, uh, I have something. About, I just I just yeah. jumped there. Yep. Talk about your beer, and then. Uh, uh, I I've already killed this can. Uh, my next beer is the Beholders, and I Ooh. don't even know what brewery this is coming from. Oh, this is coming from Mythic Brewing, and this is a rye lager, six percent. And this is literally a beer that I bought because of the can art, because it's got these beautiful, like, black and like gold foil ravens on it. Because that's what caught my attention. And I was like, oh, a rye lager. I mm-hmm. do love me a rye beer. Uh, 
this was delightful. I really like this a lot. I did get another beer from them that was an IPA that I'm going to wind up drinking next, whether we keep talking or not, Paul. Um, Because it was on the shelf next to me. I'm like, oh, that can's gorgeous, too. Like, might as well. This is this is the beer that made me abandon my like, oh, I'm going to buy beers that are flavored like other non-alcoholic drinks. Um, you bought a beer that actually wanted to taste like beer, Chris, beer, and you beer. loved it. Um, my card, if they put it out, I'd be like, oh, they're reaching, would probably be the main cow from Home on the Range that was voiced by Roseanne that I'm like... Okay, well, they, they've mined it to the bottom. Uh, see, I was going even more extreme. My card is Stacy rollerblader, rollerblading <laughs> power copper. Oh no, that that would be a chase card for me. Like <laughs> that would be the card where I'm like, I have to get this. And we didn't talk about it. Um, and then the item would be like magic band. Yeah, I know it looks good on me. <laughs> uh. Last year at D23, Disney did put out, I think it was like a five-card pack mm-hmm. of some of the cards that they're like, hey, Lord Canada, this is what we're working on. Look forward to coming out next year. Those cards, like, singularly are selling for, like, $1 to $200 each. Or you can buy, like, the greatest set for, like, 5000 but they're also cards that are included in the actual set itself. But mm. you're buying it because it's like, oh, this is the release before the release. Because it's branded there... like D23 on the bottom of it, where everything else is going to be like, okay, this is like the first chapter. And again, like we didn't talk about it, but there are rarities for cards. So like, you know, some cards might be harder to find than others, depending on what they're able to do or what they can quest for or what they can challenge at. But... Yeah, Paul. Chris, what are you what are you drinking? Uh, I just finished the Lagunitas Hazy Wonder IPA. This is six percent alcohol by volume, and this was uh, is it old? I th- I felt like it was old. Is well, it old? May seventeenth, twenty twenty three. So oh no, it's not it is not old it, at all. Like within two months, that's like yeah. okay, yeah, this is when you should be drinking it. Yeah, this is and it's from a variety pack. So you know, sometimes with variety packs, I kind of kind of give them a little bit more a bigger buffer for the age range. Uh, yeah, no, a hazy within two months. Um, yeah, it's just not great. It's okay, but it kind of has that tinge of. Uh, you know, uh, resin, you know, okay. like a, the uh, like oily resin, like uh, uh, flavor. When I when I went to my beer store today, I was hoping they were going to have the Founders All Day IPA sampler pack because there's like a black IPA that's going to be in yeah. it. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. They didn't have they didn't have it at all. There was like a different uh, Did, New Belgium. Did John just tell one? us about that way too early? Is that what happened there? Because I I'm sent like, that. I mean, John- John, oh. the guy that works at the beer store isn't even the one that put that in the chat. Like, founders put that on their Facebook or Instagram. I can't remember which yeah, one. Yeah, I was like, and I was I like, my oh, beer I store, and I'm like, hey, is that a thing? And they're like, not a thing yet. And I'm like, okay, I, I saw it on their. Inst- I'm like, so, my friend sent it to me, and it was on like on the, the founders Instagram or something. And they're like, okay, well, you can check back next week. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> You're like, I'll give it a month. Uh-huh. You won't have it next week. Give me a month. 
Um, I, I'm very hopeful of that, and I hope it sells well enough that Founders is like, okay, Black IPA is like, because they had one that was really good. I just don't remember what it was called. I can see the label for it in my head, and I was like, yeah, that's a beer I wanted more of. I think it was literally just called Black IPA. Anyways, listener, are you going to be playing Disney or Arcana? Yeah. Paul, are you going to be playing Disney or Arcana? Are you? I, I, I do want to set. I do want to get a a pack to start and build. Um, just because this, I think it'd be interesting, but it might be like one of those things where I build one deck and just have it, just in case somebody wants to play. We, I, I had talked about it before, but I didn't get into specifics. I pre-ordered a booster box mm-hmm. of it. I don't remember how many packs are coming in it. Uh, but I'm locked in for one of those. And then we're also going to be buying what's called the Illumineers Treasure Trove. Right. Where it comes with, like, a bunch of packs. But then it also comes with, like, deck boxes and stuff. And it's like, the price of the box is actually equal to the price if you were just buying the loose packs, but then you get extra stuff with it. So it's like, okay, well, we might as yeah. well get that. Uh, but then again, Yanni isn't into the deck building aspect of everything yet. So if I see the pre-made, st- man. I know we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get the there Yanni someday. Lips. Hey, Hey, when we started dating, she didn't drink beer. And now she has favorite styles. Like, when we went to the beer store today, there was, like, a dry Irish stout on the shelf. And I was like, oh, this. And, like, she wanted up grabbing it. She's got beer styles. She she likes sours. Um, okay, so what's, we will what, be what buying would be her color and magic? Um, so... <laughs> talked about it before the show uh with the lord of the rings starter decks that we bought she's played the green white starter deck the most because it's like men elves and hobbits where it's like oh you played this card all your other cards are now stronger like she's very much like a communal like i like to make my people bigger Mm -hmm. and the other deck in there is a black red like armies of Mordor deck where it's like, oh no, I'm I'm playing this now you have to kill one of your people. I'm bringing a pestilence plague and just direct damage to you. <laughs> uh but again, like we will be buying all of the starter decks, whether I have to like go between multiple stores to get them, because if I give her a deck, she'll play it. And then again, like we can work on the deck building later once she learns what she likes to play like i feel like that's a big step to make with someone that's getting into collectible card games it's one thing to be like hey here's how you play the game here's this do it versus like now you know how to play the game do something about it all right and if the listeners yeah do we wrap i hope yeah we can wrap it up Oh, okay. you want me to do it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know how uh, to wrap up these I things. I just talked it's, a lot. I'm sorry. It's all right. I was hoping you were going to go for it. I have nothing because Kate will not play these kind of games with me because uh, there's too many but rules even... to to read on each card. She doesn't. Okay, so... She likes knowing the rules. She hates when rules changes. So when a card can change the rules, she oh, again. 
That's and that's what I like about collectible card games because you have the rules, but then I play this card. Yeah, and Kate's again it because um, she's like, maybe, nope. okay. Well, it's Disney based, so maybe you lure her in with that, and then maybe you just play like vanilla creatures. Like you don't put your actions or anything in there. And you're and like, you're not okay, playing the game. But you get her into it where you're like, oh, you have Rapunzel. Rapunzel can quest for this. Like, okay, cool. But then later on, after she gets that under her, you're like, oh, Rapunzel has this ability, which means your opponent can't do this. Or I have a character that can heal my characters once they're challenged. And like, like oh, Rapunzel's badass. Like... No, no, no. See, Chris, now I'm the villain because I didn't explain all the rules to start with. Now I'm changing the game on her. So I'm even worse than the cards that change the game. Ooh. I know. It's tough. It's it's tough being the person that tries to explain games to people. 